Well, thank you for tuning in. My name is Paul Teese. I'm your host for the If Win podcast series. And today we're talking with several of Jacob's data center subject matter experts about their new design concept for cloud condos, which brings together the best of both hyperscale and co-location data center design. This plug and play concept offers both flexibility and scalability while maximizing speed to market for data center clients. Our guests today are Kenneth Kutsmita, Global Technology Leader for Jacobs Mission Critical, Paul D'Onofrio, Discipline Lead Architecture Jacobs, and David Seeger, Senior Mechanical Engineer, Mission Critical Technologist Jacobs. Ken, Dave, and Paul will walk us through the market developments and design innovations that drove this new approach. So, Paul, let me uh, start with you. What is a hyperscale data center? Thanks, Paul. So, well, in order to truly understand hyperscale, I think we need to briefly review some of the common types of other data centers that are out there. Mm -hmm. And the three that I'd like to talk about today include enterprise data centers, co-location data centers, and of course, hyperscale data centers. Uh, first, enterprise data centers. So this is a facility that's owned and operated by the company it supports and really used solely for the company's own purposes. These are usually constructed at a company site and located either as a standalone building or as part of a building on one of their other non-related, as a part of a building uh, with other non-related program spaces like offices. An example of an enterprise data center owner would be like a large financial institution uh, where they can have total control over all aspects of the data center, including the physical security of the data center and its stored data within. Uh, the next site type of data center is a co is a co-location data center, and it's commonly referred to as a colo. Mm -hmm. This is a facility that's owned and operated by one data center owner who, as in any typical landlord-tenant situation, mm -hmm. sort of sells or rents space, power, and cooling to multiple customers in one specific location. In this scenario, tenants, like they have little control over any infrastructure beyond the areas of IT rack space mm -hmm. that they buy or lease from the facility's owner. And Colo IT space is usually found in caged configurations with an open server hall, along with other adjacent tenants, and they all share the same power and cooling systems. Examples of Colo tenants are smaller to medium-sized businesses that don't necessarily want to build and maintain a dedicated space to computing mm -hmm. at or within their own facilities. It's not uncommon for these companies, but it's not uncommon for companies who own enterprise or hyperscale data centers to also purchase colo space for themselves in order to supplement their own data center assets. But as we'll get into that in a little bit more detail later. Okay. So that would bring us to our third uh, data center type. And of course, that is hyperscale data center. Mm -hmm. And hyperscale computing is that which is really necessary for the cloud and big data storage to occur. And therefore, hyperscale data centers are owned and operated by the company that it supports. And examples of some such hyperscale data center proprietors are people probably most that people are probably most familiar with include companies like Amazon, Facebook, and Apple. Google and Microsoft are also in this group of of, uh, of hyperscale data centers. So, in the simplest in the simplest of terms, Paul, a hyperscale data center is a really really big data center. <laughs> Mm. Um, however, they still do come in a wide variety of configurations and sizes. Mm -hmm. And hyperscale facilities, they, 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 they typically start around 10,000 square feet for the data halls and about 500 cabinets, also commonly known as racks, and the numbers only go up from there, quite significantly uh, uh, higher in some facilities. Other aspects typically associated with a hyperscale data center are 
a robust redundancy of systems, n plus one, n plus two, or even two n for some systems. Mm -hmm. uh, they're highly scalable and expandable, and they're usually outfitted with a high fiber count and an ultra high speed uh, network. So as it relates to cloud condos, which we'll get, be getting into a little bit more detail shortly, mm -hmm. uh, I really think the colo and hyperscale data center models are the ones that will most be applicable to our discussion today. Okay. And then Ken, so let me ask you, why, why are hyperscale clients considering co-location? What, what's in it for them? Yeah, so Paul, I think prior to COVID-19, the online traffic within that cloud space, it was really projected quadruple by the end of 2021. And then COVID-19 hit and we saw that radical shift between business and social online behavior. People started to work online more. They went to school online, shopping, and even socialization now is done all online. Everybody's in a team meeting. Mm. And, and when you look at that, that cloud traffic is just continuing to grow every day. Mm. And then so even after the pandemic is finally over, you know, we believe that that online behavior will continue and things are just not going to go back to the way they were before COVID. So the hyperscale clients are really trying to keep up with that ever increasing compute demand mm -hmm. and they need that extra data center capacity. The, the problem really is that the hyperscale, the, the large hyperscale facilities that they're used to take time to build. Um, you've got to go through site due diligence, you got the land acquisition, you got to get the utility infrastructure, all that can take, you know, months or even a year. Mm -hmm. So the hyperscale clients are really looking at co-location for immediate help. You know, the co-locations generally have the land, utility infrastructure already in place. Mm -hmm. So that'll really help speed up that process and help get them the data center capacity that they need much quicker. Um, some other things that they're looking at, the hyperscale clients are looking to co-location for that global reach to be able to get into those new and emerging markets, maybe non-traditional markets that they're not in already. And, you know, it's specifically in those areas of the world where they don't do business, they don't have the contacts, they're not familiar with the procedures, the governments and so forth. Um, so those types of things can really help. And the co-location also offers the flexibility so they can go into those markets, they can test them. And then if they want, they could switch between markets as that online activity shifts between regions. Hmm. Okay. And then Dave, so, so Paul mentioned earlier this thing, uh, cloud condo, and that might be a new term for, for some folks. I know, you know, prior to our, our talk today, uh, I hadn't heard much about that, but it sounds like a fascinating concept. Can you tell us a little bit about what is a cloud condo? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I can tell you, it's not a residence at the top of the latest high rise, um, <laughs> the cloud yeah, the cloud Ken talked about a little bit. The cloud is a reference to the data center um, infrastructure that supports the, uh, the systems out there that we're using now, especially with a lot of remote working. Mm -hmm. This was, uh, became a very rapidly growing market. And so um, that's where the cloud came from. The condo, as you can surmise, we took that from real estate. Um, basically, if you consider a standard co-location facility to be similar to an apartment complex, Mm -hmm. It's being made up of smaller, sometimes not so private, private areas, but, but they mostly share their amenities. And then the enterprise uh, data centers that Paul alluded, talked about, they're uh, more like standalone homes with mm -hmm. large private areas, uh, dedicated amenities. And the hyperscale is the is a subset of that, um, is basically estates or mansions. Mm -hmm. So the condo is between the two, with we have larger private areas, mostly dedicated amenities. Um, a few that are shared, for instance, a condominium, many, you know, there's hallway is shared, but everything else is secure and private. Mm 
-hmm. So the cloud condo, with that, the Jacobs team took a look at providing an option for those data center users who need the dedicated space, need the dedicated mechanical electrical systems, and either they don't have the time, maybe they don't have the resources at the moment, or the need to execute a full-scale estate data center. So that's where the term cloud condo came from. Okay. And then, so how is cloud condo designed different from, you know, say a traditional co-location data center? Sure. As I mentioned, many of the traditional co-locations are designed for smaller areas, like an apartment, mm -hmm. smaller areas than are typically desired by the hyperscale users. Uh, they need less power, less cooling, less space. Co-locations, so they share those systems for the economies. Um, they segregate in smaller increments. Some are to a server within a cabinet. Sometimes it's by a cabinet or a small group of cabinets. Caged areas, occasionally you'll see walled off areas, but usually it's into a caged area. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the colo. And then we're looking at the uh, hyperscale. They're looking, as I said, larger deployments, very secure, dedicated power. They don't want to share systems. They want to share the backup systems, physical separation for security and fire compartmentalization and that kind of thing. Um, Ken, you, you've looked into this a little bit too. Also, you have some commentary. Yeah, I think like you said, it's really, you know, when you look at a co-location, you know, the electrical systems are shared, the redundancies are shared. So if we had a power outage, you know, certain people may get their redundancy where the cloud condo is, it's your redundancy. It's the specific client's redundancy. It's not shared. Same with mechanical systems. The mechanical systems are theirs. They're not shared. So they have control over that. Um, and, and like Dave said, you know, that the apartment or dormitory style where you're just putting a lot of different people in the same space, the cloud kind of gives you that security and fire protection that you're looking for. Okay. So, so Paul, let me ask you, what are the advantages of using the cloud condo design concept? So Paul, a lot of it is exactly what Ken and Dave have talked about when they were describing the cloud condos. Um, so cloud condo space is, uh, you know, available to customer in larger capacity blocks. You know, the server hall spaces that we, um, you know, we've kind of set a design at about a five megawatt module. Uh, with independent power and cooling systems to support each module. This is opposed to that limited power capabilities and shared power and cooling offered in the con uh, in the colo environment. Um, these blocks are scalable, so that in an in that a client may opt for more than one block of five megawatts at a time. Mm -hmm. And right now we have it kind of configured to where we could go up to thirty megawatts in a single building in increments of five megawatts. Mm -hmm. And you know, as a single story configuration, that was a speed to market. Uh, decision, but uh, because again, lower story, one story buildings are uh, faster to, uh, to, to construct than 10 story buildings, but we could certainly, um, we do have options to scale it up to multi-story uh, if, if a client needed to do so. And, and a lot of times that would be, um, you know, a site specific, a smaller site where you don't have an expensive ground, you'd want to go higher. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, modu the modules are, as again, uh, as Ken and Dave alluded to, are, are configured as separate and individual IT spaces as opposed to shared space. Mm -hmm. This provides that physical separation from other customers. There's a lot of uh, proprietary, you know, uh, equipment and technologies that each of these customers develop on their own, and they don't typically want to see that, you know, uh, as well as a lot of times they're uh, dedicated, their infrastructure, their utility infrastructure, their power and cooling. A lot of these companies come up with their own ways of doing things, and they, they pr prefer to keep that to themselves. And it's things that they can't typically deploy in a colo environment. 
So really it gives them much more control, a client much more control of the setup of their physical and operations of their space um, mm -hmm. and gives additional benefits as Ken also alluded to the fire partitions between different client spaces to protect their property. You know, you are in a colo situation where you have the cages and you know, you, you, your level of physical security is at the cage. They have to be open to allow for the airflow. So again, you don't get the visual security, but also you know, you're relying on all of the other customers um, due diligence when it comes to their protocols for keeping uh, their equipment safe uh, and hazard free. So again, this starts to take that away. Um, this takes that away uh, as, a, as, a, as a risk for, for clients. Um, and, you know, and ultimately the, the cloud condo provides a greater offer for, you know, flexibility and offerings for customer customizations to the specific needs of an, of an individual client. Uh, and then also, I think a really big one to just reiterate again is that speed to market, mm -hmm. um, as Ken alluded to. It takes a long time to build a hyperscale data centers. These are large facilities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, finding a site and performing the due diligence, negotiating with the utility companies and authorities for, for the considerable amount of power and water needed, you know, that all has to happen even typically before you even start the design of the building let alone the construction. Mm -hmm. So really that, that the, these benefits we think really are uh, sort of the assets to kind of pursuing a, or, or looking at a cloud condo uh, uh, idea. Okay. And then can you describe, you know, for our listeners, the, the cloud condo layout and architectural considerations that went into the design? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, our goal was to design the building using a modular approach for both the building program and the physical structure. Mm -hmm. and, and one that could be repeated. It also needed to be flexible enough to accommodate an individual client's needs and to a degree anticipate uh, future unknowns. So for the building's program and physical characteristic, mm -hmm. the, the baseline design is that single story, uh, again, to help with speed to market, uh, again, but with also the option to go multi-story, you know, in order to accommodate those, small, accommodate those smaller sites. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we wanted to we wanted to provide the separated server halls and infrastructure. Uh, you know, it could be dedicated to a single client. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we wanted to include the the and with those those kind of standalone modules, they could fit out the space exactly to their liking. And so we included such things like uh, sort of the POEs or points of entries. This is where the fiber enters the building in each module. Mm -hmm. So each module has the ability to accommodate an independent entry point. Where in a colo, they typically come in through a, a single room. It's a shared space. Um, they don't all have to be used, but it's an option for for uh, for clients to use that. Circulation through the building, you know, such that such that you don't pass through other customers' spaces like you do in a in, in a colo environment. Um, and common service areas that we call the headhouse. Sort of this is the administrative and logistics area. You know, these front spaces could be shared. Or they can also be configured to be somewhat to give a degree of separation and privacy to a particular client. So, um, you know, a client can actually get a good portion of one of these buildings and almost it act like a hyperscale, you know, the data center for them, you know, for them, while another portion of the building uh, could get distributed amongst other clients. Hmm. So for the first and for the server hall in the white space, we mm -hmm. developed that module, that five megawatt uh, IT computing capacity module that I had mentioned before. We wanted this block to allow for scalability to accommodate the various rack densities that uh, 
that that come uh, you know in, in the IT industry. You know, less if you have a higher rack, if you have a higher amount of power draw at the rack, you'll need less racks to make up that five megawatts. Uh, so what we wanted to be, we wanted to by so by using a repeating structural grid. In all these areas of the building, we wanted that IT space to have the potential to be retooled and serve as either mechanical or electrical space in some way or vice versa, more IT depending. So that was and I'll get into the the building structure in a bit, but that was really the idea of that scalar modularity repeating uh, repeating um, system. We wanted to allow the power to accommodate the dedicated power and cooling as 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 uh, Dave mentioned earlier but they'll give more detail on that and as i mentioned the fire separation and physical physical security which are really uh, important to these uh, to these to these clients um, mm-hmm. and give them that sort of ability to do either a self performed fit out or in some cases they could have a full service turnkey deployment if they chose sort of the baseline design systems that we've that we've developed so ultimately, ultimately all these self-contained five megawatt modules can be scaled up to, to a to a day end of 30 megawatts. We day end is typically an when the when the facility is completely completed. Mm-hmm. So six modules along with that common headhouse, and they can be sh- shared and divided into levels of privacy at the administrative and logistics side. There and again, we also can explore increasing those capacities in a single building shell. Mm-hmm. For the building shell. We looked at the three major. Uh, there's three options for building shells that we see uh, as a uh, as typical for the industry. Mm-hmm. Those are pre-engineered metal buildings, uh, wide flange steel building frames, and precast concrete. And all of those could typically go on a slab-on grade. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to establish a structural grid that was both optimal and flexible to accommodate the variety of server hall configurations, mm-hmm. but also accommodate the three different building shell systems that I just described. So first, we look to optimize the building structural grid layout and optimum and repeatable structural bays that would accommodate the different layouts of IT racks and hot aisle containment, Mm -hmm. that modular building design and construction, structural bays with longer beam spans to provide greater flexibility for equipment layouts. We wanted to eliminate the columns within the server halls really to minimize loss of rack positions. Again, they are repeated rows. And so any uh, interruptions, you know, is just something we uh, think is, uh, you know, would, would be nice to design out. And we found that, you know, 60 feet is a typical span that was good, that would work with those three building systems. And it's also the 60 feet is a good size for a structural member that to be transported over overland as single members. And that sort of um, promotes faster installation in the building. And then one more characteristic on the architectural side, but also that we felt we needed to really include in this design mm-hmm. in the event is that the cloud condo owner decided to revert the facility back to a traditional colo business model. So this can certainly be done with the cloud condo design without having to do a wholesale uh, retooling or renovations or modifications of the primary building shell, and therefore they could go back to those shared server halls and and sharing uh, power and cooling systems if necessary. Hmm, okay, and then Ken, to let's peel this back just a little bit further. So, what makes the electrical systems unique? Yeah, well, I think the one thing that's unique about the electrical system is the configuration of the equipment. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes with data centers, you know, the electrical is the last trade to begin work. They're always waiting for the building to be complete before they can install and connect the equipment. So with the cloud condo design, we kind of packaged and skid mounted all the major equipment and moved it outside, mm-hmm. outdoors. So this way it could really be fabricated, connected, tested, 
you know, even installed all before the building is even constructed or during the building construction. Um, and we really tried to minimize those connections from the outdoor to the indoor uh, mm -hmm. equipment. And we tried to standardize, you, you know, util utilizing standard components, try not to be very, you know, unique components to help reduce that construction time. Um, I think another unique aspect is the flexibility of the plug and play design. Mm -hmm. you know, when you look at electrical systems, it's really dependent on what's available and the sizing of the equipment at different regions of the world. You go into certain regions where, you know, you can't get a three megawatt generator. You have, you have to, you're limited to an 1800 KW generator. So it needs, so your design needs to adjust. So the cloud condo design, we broke up the equipment into individual powertrains Mm -hmm. And that allows us to adapt to those differences in equipment sizes. Um, the powertrain also allows us to, if we have a client that wants added redundancy, you could add on extra components to really increase that level of availability. Hmm. Um, some of the other thing is because the equipment's outside, mm -hmm. um, we can really adapt to the different client needs. So if a client uses batteries in their racks and doesn't necessarily have a central UPS, we can eliminate that from the design and it doesn't affect the overall footprint of the building and we're not wasting space within the building because we are, you know, we had that space identified and then it wasn't used. As Paul mentioned, I think Dave will too, is, is hyperscale clients have really spent a lot of time on their big designs. Mm -hmm. So they know what they want. They have power system configurations that they feel comfortable with. And one of the advantages of the cloud condo is, the electrical systems are really independent. So if that client has a system or configuration that they like, they can actually bring that and just plug it into our design and allows them to utilize their, you know, their designs if they want to. And then, you know, with, I mean, with a data center like this, I, I imagine it's just an incredible amount of power needs to go into it, you know, and of course that, that generates a lot of heat and uh, you have these sensitive systems. And so, the data centers I've been in, you know, they're, they're very, they're very cold, the very temperature uh, managed. So Dave, can you explain like with the cloud condo setup, you know, explain the flexibility of the mechanical cooling systems and what considerations drove their design? Uh, certainly. Yeah. Um, data centers, uh, some of them do run cold. Some of them actually run warm. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a wide variety. When we started looking at this, as Jacob's design team started, um, I was asked that question, well, what kind of cooling system should we use? And I provided the most accurate answer that anyone could possibly provide, which was that, well, that depends. Um, <laughs> as you can imagine, um, the mechanical systems really depended upon the, uh, the climate it's going into. Mm -hmm. And so where is it going to be located? What's the availability of water? What's the quality of the water that's available? Mm -hmm. Should we, we should look at sustainability issues around water use, uh, the, the amount we're using. We need to worry about airborne molecular contamination. Pollution outside can come into, in a high humidity situation, can come in and cause uh, corrosion in IT gear. Mm -hmm. that it, uh, there's also other exposures such as extreme cold conditions, dust storms, and the, the list goes on and on. And the reply I got back was, of course, equally as accurate was, well, that depends. Mm -hmm. So mechanically, we had a wide open canvas. And uh, when we're considering all these site-specific elements, picking a single cooling solution would necessitate making some compromises. But what criteria should be weighted heavier than others is sometimes it's a little bit dependent upon who's going to occupy the space. Mm. So in creating the cloud condo, mm -hmm. rather than finding the best compromise that 
we thought was the best compromise. We looked into developing an overall data center configuration that would support multiple mechanical solutions and enable us to select the system that's tailored to the client and the climate the data center is located. So basically the Jacobs design team used a holistic approach that allows us to deploy in this facility either a direct or indirect outside air economization, mm-hmm. standard craw units with air-cooled or water-cooled economizers with or without, uh, excuse me, water-cooled chillers with or without economizers. And we can also apply various evaporation cooling techniques. Uh, this was all done with a goal to allow us to do this quickly mm-hmm. with minimal impacts to the architectural electrical systems. So the mechanical equipment is, of course, selected to meet the cooling needs. As you mentioned, we got to keep it within the criteria. Mm-hmm. But furthermore, we looked at the electrical systems and the mechanical redundancies and the size of the mechanical equipment and how this, the backup and the switching should happen. And we sized the system such that we minimize the amount of what I'll call stranded electrical capacity there is. This is electrical capacity that we need mm-hmm. in a backup situation that's unused normally. Well, we want to minimize that. That's wasted overhead. So we took a careful look at what equipment we can switch over and how we provide that backup. Um, and architecturally, as I said, the, the system is designed so the mechanical systems have access to the, uh, the space to ex- access the external environment without needing to impact the location of the electrical systems or the distribution of the systems. And we maintain separation between the mechanical electrical maintenance activities also from the IT space so that as it gets reconfigured for these different cooling solutions, we maintain the secure IT environment. So in a way, uh, I know I haven't described the, the, the mechanical system, but the mechanical system, we have a very flexible mechanical system. Mm-hmm. And it's married to a relatively inflexible electrical system. And we bridge that with a relatively semi-flexible architectural system in order to provide a total design that meets the needs of the client, taking into account the climate it's installed. Hmm. Hmm. That's really interesting. So Ken, you know, we've heard... Uh, you know, I've heard a lot today. I mean, there's a lot going on with this cloud condo strategy, and it's pretty fascinating. It seems to be, um, you know, it, it offers, you know, a lot of flexibility and scalability. And, you know, so I'm kind of curious, can you summarize for us, you know, the advantages of the cloud condo strategy? You know, I think, like you said, as Dave and Paul have discussed, the, the isolation, the security, the flexibility are advantages, you mm-hmm. know, over that traditional colo. But I, I think the major advantage is the speed to online availability. I mean, the cloud condo plug and play block concept really shortens the design period. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the base design components developed, mm-hmm. and then we can quickly adapt those depending on the various clients, depending on the region or even the site configuration, how it's laid out. Um, and because Jacobs is an integrated firm, you know, each of our disciplines can perform those adaptations in parallel with each other. So we're doing it much quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, you also look at the construction side, it's also shorter. The modular construction, the prefabrication, skid mounted, um, even vendor autonomy and active supply chains can help reduce that construction time. I mean, the thing is, Jacobs really analyzed their experience, you know, with the traditional co-location and the hyperscale to develop this cloud condo design. And it's a concept, you know, that meets the needs and the variety of the different hyperscale clients that are out there. Mm-hmm. And it does it in the modularity and the speed of the co-location. Hmm. Okay, so 
I guess the last question for today is, you know, what are the next steps for a client or potential client who wants to get started or wants to learn more about cloud condos? Yeah, so as part of this this concept development, um, Jacobs developed what we call a programming tool, and it allows us to kind of review and evaluate customer criteria. Mm-hmm. So you know, the tool really helps us customize our approach, and it, it starts that adapt- adaptation period of the cloud condo design for that individual client. So I think the next step, you know, would really be to reach out to Jacobs, learn more about the cloud condo design. We can give you the visuals that go along with it. And then we can start inputting that data into the Jacobs programming tool to move us forward and, you know, to understand what, what they're looking for. Excellent. Well, Ken, Dave, and Paul, I want to thank all of you for your time today and, and walking me through the cloud condo. Um, I do think it's really fascinating. It's, it, it seems like it's a great mix of that scalability and flexibility of design. And it's it kind of a new way of looking at data center needs, uh, particularly as, you know, we see an acceleration in data and data uh, usage across the globe. So uh, thank you to the three of you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you.